Hello, everybody. This is Andre, and you are on the Marketing Innovation Podcast Show. On today's episode, we have Chris Dickey, who is the owner and principal of Purple Orange PR Agency, as well as, more recently, the founder of Visibly, which is a SaaS platform for SEO, uh, which he will tell us a lot about in this coming episode. We will go into the nitty-gritty of um, how to use PR and SEO alike and together in order to amplify your results online, as well as the trends that are happening in the in this space at the moment and how you can best take advantage of them. Hi, Chris. How's everything going? Such a pleasure to have you here. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. So uh, you are tuning in from uh, America. How's the, how's the morning, I guess, for you now? <laughs> <laughs> it is, yeah. It, it is still the morning here. I just finished my second cup of coffee. Um, it's good. I live in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, which is, um, the, like I guess, that like traditional American West. We have... Uh, legitimate cowboys where I live and, and mountains and bears. There's grizzly bears um, where I live and moose and all that good stuff. But um, we do some really good marketing out of here too. Nice, nice, nice. Okay, so I'm super pumped for, th- for this episode. Uh, it's actually our first one from the podcast where we are going deeply into both SEO as well as PR. Uh, you have a very broad knowledge and very you know, long, <laughs> long-term knowledge in the PR space. So I feel that would be a nice uh, thing to start with and then go deeper into the SEO practices, tactics, techniques. Um, tell us a bit about you. How did you start on this journey? What was your, um, how, how was your passion driving you <laughs> towards all the Yeah, that's that a great question. So I I've always been very fascinated with marketing. I think right out of college, I was I wanted I knew I wanted to be in the marketing profession. Um, I love the the opportunity to be able to tell stories and and kind of merge storytelling and product. Um, and, and and honestly, I was very interested in, in how do we tell stories about sustainability and um, social social benefit. And I felt like at the time that the outdoor industry was, and that's the industry that kind of sells sporting goods and, and things to kind of recreate with outside um, backpacks and seating bags and tents and things like that was the most progressive, at least, at least in the United States when it came to sustainability. So um, that was, it kind of attracted me to that industry. I got into that at a young age. Um, I had the opportunity to help start um, a company. And then I would, we were manufacturing um, tents at the time. And then I, I was in publishing for a little bit. Then I got into PR work and I was working for some larger brands nationally in PR. I worked for a brand called Arteryx, um, Atomic Skis, um, and several others in managing their North American PR. Um, and then uh, 10 years ago, actually 11, I started my own agency, a PR agency um, called Purple Orange. And Purple Orange specialized in that outdoor active lifestyle consumer space. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I think what we're always trying to do as a PR agency is how do we leverage the how do we leverage third-party endorsement and those and those audiences for the benefit of our clients and our brands? Mm-hmm. And um, you know, the media landscape in the last decade and a half has really shifted. We all know that. I mean, when I started doing PR um, 15 years ago, the iPhone didn't exist. Yeah, that's true. Like, there was there was no there was no smartphone. Like it was it was BlackBerry, you know? <laughs> and, um, and nothing wrong with BlackBerry. But you know, it was it just uh, the whole landscape shifted as soon as we had these smartphones in our pockets. And I think you know, with the speed of the internet and and the and the access in the palm of our hands, it completely shifted how we consume media. And it 
it had a massive rippling effect across the entire media landscape, at least in the United States, where we had these massive newsstands before where people could go and pick up magazines and things. And people know stopped consuming media like that. And they haven't entirely stopped, but it's it's massively slowed down, right? And it, mm-hmm. it has changed the type of um, the type of media that we consume through the through the traditional kind of print medium has changed a bit. It used to be we got our news through print, and now we get our news online because mm-hmm. news travels so quickly. You can't wait for it to get printed and then distributed and then read it. Like that's way too slow. <laughs> so um, you know where I think print has gone is is, is more of a storytelling medium, um, and I think that the the print publications that have been um, slow to respond to that have really suffered. Um, but the digital space has just proliferated and it's been incredible. Um, and that's where we, you know, as, as an agency, we're trying to, trying to kind of grapple with where, how do we tell these, how do we tell these brand stories in this, you know, increasingly competitive and crowded space? Um, that is the digital landscape. And, and how do we, how do we get attention? How do we connect with our stakeholders? How do we, how do we actually like you know, wring some value out of PR. And what I was finding as, as an agency owner is that our most valuable PR hits, the, P, the PR hits that had the most impact for our clients were the ones that were showing up at the top of search. True. And um, there was no strategy behind it at the time. It was just, we were, we were going out and we were winning a bunch of PRs. Some of them um, were being rewarded with top search positions. A lot weren't. Um, and then what really drove it home for me was the moment when we won a massive award for one of our clients from one of the top publications in the United States. And it was mm-hmm. the top award in its category for the entire year. And it should have been a major win. And it, I mean, it was a major win, but like I, I should have had a huge impact on the business. And when I checked back with the company a couple a couple months later, um, that particular product had just really not sold very much. <laughs> you know, we, we went out and won this pinnacle award across the whole United States, and there's like millions of potential um, touch points with this particular magazine. And and um, what I what I figured out was. I, I was really scratching my head. I'm like, how is this not influencing the bottom line better? Mm-hmm. And what I found was that when I looked up, it was it was a sleeping bag, and I looked up best sleeping bags 2017, and the particular endorsement for this for this award was showing up on the second page of search. Um, it's and, also it's also called the um, what was that. Uh, saying something along the lines of um, the cemetery of Google, or <laughs> I, I mean, that is like that's a perfect way to describe it. There is no traffic on the second page of search. Um, in fact, what I what I found later on was that um, over seventy percent of all um, traffic for any given keyword will select um, a link within the first five organic reser- results on a page. So that's the, that's the top half of the page. Essentially. If you have to scroll down the page, you lose all those people. If you go to page two, it's dead. It's a cemetery, as you mentioned. So anyways, this particular endorsement of this massive award was on page two. And I, and that, that kind of set out this eureka moment for me where I was like, well, are these, these blogs that we are showing up in the top of search are the ones that are super productive and driving results month after month for our clients. And we win this massive award from this massive media outlet. And if it doesn't live beyond the flicker of the moment that it's published, it has like such limited impact. This has such limited 
of value for our clients. And it was actually kind of a disappointing thing. And it was like, we, we spent like way too much time and energy trying to win this big award. It had, at the end of the day, it had a very minimal impact, mm-hmm. um, you know, marketing impact. And, and so at that point, we, we really pivoted and we said, you know, if, if the best thing we can do is win the top of search, how do we do that better? And so well, what we started doing as an agency was auditing um, search results. And so we came up with, with um, these keyword lists and we actually like subscribed to an SEO platform so we could do better keyword research. And we started identifying what I would call non-branded keywords. So these are keywords that, assuming that, you know, what, like one of the problems that marketers have is how do we bring more customers into our funnel? Like, mm-hmm. how do we know, how do people find you? They even know that you exist as an option for uh, a thing that they need. Um, and that awareness is, um, there's all different types of ways you can build awareness. But if you think about it, at the end of the day, if we have, if, if think about every single one of us, if we have a question, what do we do? Do we like call up a friend? Do we like go to the <laughs> library? You pull out your phone and you Google it. <laughs> That's what we do. Um, and, and the numbers back that assumption that there's over 4 billion searches a day on Google. That's like 70,000 searches a second globally. Um, and every single one of those searches is a question. And Google is providing you answers and you are statistically likely to click on the first five organic results. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's like, that's the real estate. Like that's where you find your answers, those first five organic results. Um, and it's, it's really tough real estate. It's very valuable real estate. And um, turns out that PR does really, really well there. And mm-hmm. it makes sense because um, these media outlets um, they have really strong rankings with Google. They have really strong domain authority. They have a lot of incoming links. They publish a lot of content. They have a lot of traffic on their sites. They fit all the criteria for the type of site that Google likes to reward with content mm-hmm. or with, with, with search positions. Yeah. So let, like if you can figure out, if you can anticipate, if you can identify the type of the, the writers and the outlets that are being rewarded most frequently for certain keywords, you can build better relationships with them. You can get them to update their articles. You can all of a sudden really penetrate a page with, with brand awareness that you previously had no chance on mm-hmm. because these, these websites have such a, have so much more domain authority than your own website. Mm-hmm. Super. So just for uh, our listeners who maybe are not uh, very well versed into SEO tactics, but they want to do more of that uh, or PR alike uh, for the brand. So for you guys, uh, basically what uh, we are discussing here is the authority that a certain domain, like domain authority, is the authority that a certain domain has in front of Google. So uh, what ideally you want to do when you are looking for your, uh, but here, Chris, I think I will let you say more about that, but just briefly, uh, what I did you want to do when you look for um, outlets for specific uh, articles that you want to sponsor or publish on, you know, online media, you should be looking at page authority and domain authority as well as the traffic that is coming through that page. And then um, Chris, go into the nitty gritty now. <laughs> yeah. And, and page authority doesn't always tell the whole story or domain authority doesn't tell the whole story. Um, it tells a lot of the story. You can kind of anticipate quickly, like which, 
there's some websites just have no chance on the first page of search um, and a lot of brand owned websites. And that is like, like there's, there's a huge amount of energy and effort put into SEO and the SEO is more specifically, how do you improve the ranking of your own website in search? Right. Um, the problem is when you look at search, it's a multi-channel playground. There's all different types of websites that are competing for the same attention, the same clicks in the same, in that same real estate that I talked about, those first five organic results. There's e-commerce sites like Amazon and there's, um, there's images and there's uh, a lot of media reviews and there's all this different stuff up there. And I think what's really important for marketers to take note of is that it doesn't matter how somebody discovers your brand so long as they discover it, right? Mm -hmm. It could be an advertisement. It could be a review. Um, it could be your own website. But what you, what you need to recognize for every single keyword is what are your chances of actually creating um, a presence on that page? Do you have a good chance with, with SEO? And if you don't, when you look at the domain authority of the other websites on the page and, and basically your domain authority is like 20 points lower or something, um, you don't have a chance. Like, let's just be frank about it. Um, at that point, it makes a lot of sense to look, how do we leverage these other websites that are already on the first page to get our brand through to customers? And so what I, what I saw as a PR professional was all these media reviews showing up at the top of search that was were frankly like pretty easy for us to attain. They were, if we knew who to talk to and we knew how to direct our PR work. Um, secondarily, we saw a ton of e-commerce showing up on top of search. Um, and what I realized from our clients as an agency is that a lot of our clients were selling through these e-commerce brands. Um, in the United States, it might be like, like REI or... Uh, that's an outdoor chain, um, or Amazon, or Best Buy, or a Lowe's, or Home Depot. Those are like those are like home improvement places, but they do super super well with these non branded searches. And um, if you're already selling with them, there's a conversation to be had about online merchandising. And mm -hmm. what what I mean by online merchandising is, you know, Amazon will curate a landing page for um, the search engine to link to when you're looking for best running socks, you know? And you'll click through that landing page. And again, statistically speaking, you're going to select something at the top of that landing page. You're not going to dig too much deeper. Your, 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 your search behavior is similar to it, you know, as it is in search engines. You're just not going to like, you're, you're going to see what you're being recommended. It fits your budget. It fits what you're looking for. Boom, you buy it. Um, if you have the market intelligence to, to, to input all those keywords that matter to you, that you realize that your customers are looking for your products and services, say you're selling running socks, and um, there's all these merchants that are, that are optimizing for running socks in search, and you're selling through most of them, you can go to them and say, hey, guys, how do we get on those landing pages? How do we, how do we get in front of the customer um, at the top of search. So it's, it's leveraging that relationship with the e-commerce brand. It's leveraging the relationships with um, all the publishers and the PR industry. Um, there's, you, might, you might find that there's questions and answers. There's a lot of questions in Google search. So um, Quora is one that has been popping up a lot at the top of search, um, whereas people ask questions and 
people provide answers. And frankly, um, there's an opportunity there for brand discussion. You know, if you have an answer to someone's question, you know, and you're recognizing that Quora is showing up, you can go on Quora and create an answer that includes your brand. And there's nothing, there's, and there's no rules against that. Like that's actually like, as long as it's valuable and you're providing value to the audience and, and it's not just, you know, a pitch, um, I think that's like a really good way to create visibility at the top of search. So there's, I, I think that, you know, marketers should be looking at search as a multi-channel um, uh, play. And I think that what, what we created um, through my, you know, through my agency experience was this software platform called Visibly. And what Visibly does is it looks at the content within every single link on the first page of search. Mm-hmm. And it, it identifies where your brand exists, where it doesn't exist, um, and what channels they're coming through on. So are these e-commerce hits? Are these um, earned media hits or PR hits? Are these brand-owned websites? And it gives you a sense of the makeup of the search engine results page. It also gives you a sense of where your blind spots are. So maybe there's a bunch of reviews that are including your brand, um, but you don't even know that, that but, you know, but, but you don't know that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, funny enough, there's no tools that um, do that kind of audit of content in search. Um, all the, all the SEO tools on the market, um, and this was, this was kind of a big surprise to me. Um, they only look and in, in, in see, is there a website match between your own website and the website showing up in search? They don't look at any of the content on the actual pages. Um, and so it misses all these potential third party opportunities, um, to optimize within search. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Uh, and I have two questions. I'll start with the first one, which goes back to domain authority and how to learn when and how to compete. And here a question that I think it's uh, in the minds of, on, or, or, you know, like m- many of our listeners might have is, okay, so you have a domain authority of 30 and you want to get to 50, let's say, so that you can compete mm-hmm. with uh, larger publications or pages or competitors. Uh, what would be a good strategy for you to use from a PR perspective or SEO perspective from your point of view to mm-hmm. raise that domain authority quick, quickly? The, so, so one of the top um, indicators of domain authority is how many incoming links you have coming into your website. Um, and it's important to point out right now that not all links are created, are created equal. Mm-hmm. Um, Google sees links to your website or your webpage as votes of confidence that other people think that you're important. Mm-hmm. And so they, they add all these up and they basically look at all, not, not just how many links you have coming in, but what's the quality of the links. And so is it a link from a, like a really popular, highly authoritative website, or is it a link from some blog that no one's ever heard of? So those Google looks at that, like literally, um, and they, and they, and they, they have a rank. They, they've already ranked both those websites and they say, Oh, well, the one that's really authoritative thinks that you're authoritative, which means that's, that's a big deal. So they give you more quote, what they call link juice. (laughs) I'm not even making that word up. Um, it's a real word. (laughs) Um, but yeah, they, you you get more link juice if it's like the New York times linking to you rather than, um, I don't know, some, some other place. Something at wordpress.com or. Yeah, exactly. And, And then you want, you want a, you want a bunch of them. 
And then lastly, there's this kind of tricky little thing that you need to be aware of called followed links and no follow links. And um, a lot of people are using something called a no follow link. And a no follow link is when you get a link from one site to yours, but they put a little bit of like code in there that tells Google not to, not to count that link toward your domain authority. Mm-hmm. They're basically saying, we're going to link these guys, but we don't want them to get any credit for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and to identify no follow links um, is kind of important because you could spend a lot of time building these links. And if they are all no follow, they have zero impact. Mm-hmm. You know, at the end of the day, they have to be followed links. And they have to be followed links from high quality websites. So that's traditionally, that's how people have seen the role of PR and SEO is as a way to build high quality links. You go out there and these PR professionals are uh, persuading editors to cover your brand or product or service. And, um, and, they, and they do, and then they link back and then that's boom, you have this really awesome link. Um, the problem is, is that if you develop links from low quality websites or websites that are known for um, shady practices, that can actually uh, be detrimental to your standing within Google. Google might recognize like, oh, that's a shady website and they have put a link on to your website on that page, which indicates that your might be a shady website too. So you got to be careful. Like not all links are created equal, <laughs> totally agree. But, they're, but, they're, but they're totally important and you have to, that's the number one way to improve your standing with Google's um, mm-hmm. search algorithm. Yeah. So good quality websites, a bunch of them and make sure to not be uh, to, all of them to be to follow if possible. And then, yeah. And then there's, there's a whole lot of things you can do on your own website too. Um, I think it's important to say that the speed of your website really matters. Google wants you to have a really fast loading website. Um, there's been some re- recent research on that that says that just like a millisecond or two milliseconds faster, like has like a massive impact on their search algorithm. Mm-hmm. Um, there's um, Google really wants you to have a responsive website. So they want you to have a website that can be seen on a tablet or at a desktop or on your phone and looks beautiful on all three. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you don't, if you haven't optimized for mobile, do that. Um, another one is um, just just making sure that your that your HTML is really clean and that you have and that you're organizing it well for their crawlers. Um, if their crawlers don't like how your site is set up on the back end, then it'll just skip your site and it won't index the stuff on your site. So um, that, those are more technical kind of considerations that you need to talk about with your web development team, um, but you know, optimizing for keywords with certain types of programming languages is really, really tough. Um, you really, Google is reforming the internet and in the image that they want, unfortunately, or, or better for better or worse. I don't know. Um, but they, they control so much search, you know, so Google owns 92% of the world's market share for search. Whoa. 92% globally and that much because i think i um i read recently about bing um i mean obviously we have safari as well but i think that Bing was earning a bit more of the market share recently uh through it it might be it might be through some different um it's different country by country and it's different um you know region by region but 
globally, Google is very, very dominant. Bing is the second most well-known um, search engine in the world. And their share voice is around 2% globally. Mm, okay. So the number one, the number one largest search engine is Google with 92%. The, n- the number two is Bing with two. two percent. <laughs> <laughs> and then, it, and then it becomes highly fractured from there. And, and there's like, uh, I think Baidu is, is, is a, is a popular search engine in China. Um, and there's, and there's a couple, there's a search engine in, in Brazil that people like. Um, and there's, there's, a, there's some other ones that I think offer better, um, uh, security for, you know, what you're trying to do. Um, but yeah, I, I think from a marketer's perspective, Google's the only one that really matters. Cool. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so that was the first question. The second yeah. question was when you were mentioning about, um, the s- sort of SEO tools, analyzing only the pages and not necessarily the content that is going onto the pages and, yeah. um, about the tool that you have developed and how it, basically helps you compare and identify more opportunities and blind spots for you. And my question here was, um, you know, working with clients from very different countries and regions, uh, mostly America, UK and Europe. So not going into Asia too much, but, um, what we found was that different tools have different data for different regions. How, I mean, for example, some of them might not have very rich data for uh, East Europe, let's say, or some of them may be mostly focused on the US market. But then when we were looking at uh, UK, maybe the data was not so good or was a bit more poor in certain areas, Mm -hmm. depending on the tool, obviously, and why we wanted to find out. Um, How are you guys dealing with this? Or uh, if somebody goes now and... uh, Well, there's two ways that we would deal with that. So the first way is, um, can you get a local search? You know, and so um, we're actually have an opportunity. Um, we'll be adding this very soon to our website. So um, probably by the time that this pod- podcast uh, is published, it will be live, but we'll be able to allow um, any user to select where in the world or even where, like what city they want to perform a search in. So if nice. they want to do a broad search across the entire United States, they can do that. If they want to drill into like Houston, Texas, they can do that. Um, or they want to look at Austria, they can do that. So that's really important is to get local search results and then and then analyze those. The second piece is a little bit more tricky. So what we do to make um, valuable insights within our search um, um, within our results is that we segment the search engine results page um, by channel, and mm-hmm. that is we we not only tell you where your brand is showing up, um, but we also tell you what type of websites are covering your your brand and 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 what does that breakdown look like within that first kind of 10 organic results which is typically the first page of search um and we look at e-commerce and and earned media and all these other ones um the problem that i will i'll point out right now and i'll just be transparent about it is that we mostly cover english-speaking websites Mm -hmm. Um, and that's because we had to build a machine learning algorithm that would review the content on a website and then make a judgment about what type of website it is because we were we had classified millions. Mm-hmm. And um, to do that, we started with English. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <That would make laughs> because <sense. laughs> yeah, because we'd have to build a completely different model for every single language essentially. Um, so we are biased toward English speaking websites, is mm-hmm. what I'll say. 
Um, okay. But in the future, we'd like to include more. And we certainly can. It's just a matter of bandwidth. Mm-hmm. Super. Okay. Anyway, like uh, from our audience, as far as uh, we can see, uh, many of the people are US and UK mostly. Uh, so I think <laughs> these are English speaking, which is good. Um, but obviously we have a couple more geographies like France, uh, Germany, Spain, Italy, Romania. Um, so uh, I guess these countries would be coming up soon. <laughs> yeah, they would be. And, you know, even I think the larger website, I think, you know, the, the, the thing that we look at right now is exclusively we look at what's on the first page of search. Mm-hmm. And when you look at the first page of search, they tend to be the more dominant websites within a, a category. We're not, we're not going to page five or page 10. Um, and so we are, I think we do have a pretty good index of sites that are showing up on page one. So I, I think we actually have a pretty good, it, it, it might not be perfect, but we're pretty good. Super, super. Uh, so guys, by the way, we leave all the links in the description of this episode. So you can go ahead and make a, it's a free account, right? It's a free account. There's no, there's, there's not even a place on the website to like put in a credit card. So don't even worry about it. <laughs> We're not even asking for it. There's no place to do it. Um, the, the site is called visibly. It's V I S A B L Y.com. And, um, yeah, it's in, it's in beta. It's entirely free and uh, we're really excited about it. We hope to check it out. Super. Awesome. So um, what I would suggest now, uh, this was very insightful. And I think that from here on, we can actually go into looking at how a modern SEO strategy would should be looking like, uh, and uh, also how you work with your clients, uh, what do you recommend them and our listeners here. So in terms of the... Um, audience, let's say. So guys tuning in, uh, some of them are entrepreneurs uh, with established businesses. Some of them are aspiring entrepreneurs and many of them are marketing or sales professionals or both, but (laughs) I would say probably mostly marketing. Um, So working in companies, looking at innovating their departments, applying new tools, new strategies, being up to date with everything that is moving in this space. Um, what would you say they should be looking at when they are trying to modernize their SEO approach or strategy? How should they approach this this year? Yeah, the very first thing you ever have to do is identify, you know, how do your how do your customers find you? You know, reverse engineer that product discovery process and and try to figure out like what are the what are the questions and pain points that people are are asking on search. And the way that you do that is through keyword research. And so there's a lot of keyword research tools out there. There's a lot of free ones. Um, you know, even Google itself is a great opportunity to do that. Um, there's w- one thing I love about Google is that they is they have questions that or, or they see people also ask is is like a is like a is like a questions thing, and it gives you a sense of what are the most common questions associated with this particular search inquiry? Um, grab all of those, you know, and just, and just put them into a list. Um, same thing at the bottom of the page. If you looked at, look at the bottom of like a regular just Google page, it'll give you suggestions that people also search for these other keywords. And that's another great way to just understand what is the, what does consumer behavior look like? What are people looking for within this category? Um, focus on non-branded keyword terms. That is keywords that don't include your brand or don't include your competitor's brand. Um, there's no point in trying to optimize for um, a customer that's already brand loyal. You want to just go, just go up to the customers that, that, that aren't brand loyal and they're looking for your stuff and, and, and are open to suggestion. Um, so use non-branded 
um, keywords. Once you've done that, um, sort your keywords by search volume. And sometimes, depending on the platform that you're using, they'll also give you click-through rates, which click-through rates is like engagement. Like mm-hmm. it's, if, if somebody who um, searches this keyword, but there's a low click-through rate, that means that they probably, um, they're, they're just not very engaged. So you might find these like what they call long-tail keywords that have smaller audiences, but really high click-through rates, which means that they're people who, they're, they're, people aren't searching this particular phrase very often, but when they do, it's a great customer. They're super engaged. They really want to find an answer. So you can optimize for those keywords. Um, And then what you want to do, once you kind of identify your keyword list where you think your customers are are showing up or are using most frequently to find products and services related to your stuff, is look at the kind of the results that are showing up within the Google search results. And this is where Visibly is very helpful. So um, you can get a good sense. There's really two or three different kinds of like, um, it's called search intent. It's like you can either have an informational um, result or you can have a transactional result. Mm-hmm. And informational is like click to learn. Somebody is there to learn more. Um, and Google will infer the type of um, results depending on the keyword that like, oh, this person wants to learn about this and they're not looking to be sold something right now. Mm -hmm. Other types of keywords are very transactional. They're dominated by e-commerce. It's all click to buy. So you have to kind of evaluate what's my opportunity to build brand visibility within this keyword. And so you have to once you have your once you have your shortlist and you and you've identified you know these things, then you have to figure out what's the opportunity for my brand here. And if you look at it and it's dominated by e-commerce giants, you're not going to get in there. <laughs> Number one, Google is elevating um, commerce, and uh, and if you're not a commerce site, it's probably not going to elevate you in the first place. Number two, the sites that are there are just really really huge sites. It's just going to be very hard to beat them out. Um, but maybe that's an opportunity for you to go build a relationship with one of those sites to sell something, to open up the door and have those sites sell your stuff. So all mm-hmm. of a sudden you get a, you know, you get within that um, site's um, landing page and all of a sudden you're getting in front of those customers. Conversely, if it's informational, click to learn, um, you might have more of an opportunity there with SEO, but at the same time, if it's, if it's a non-branded keyword, those tend to, those tend to be the most competitive and also the most productive in terms of acquiring new customers. Um, it might be full of media. It might be full of these earned media and PR hits, in which case, that's a great list-building tool. You look at it from the perspective of, here are all the writers and all the outlets that are deemed most essential by the largest search engine in the world in this category. And that becomes your media list. And you reach out to those people, tell them what you have going on, um, and see if you can get them to cover you. And if you can, then that's pure gold. So you say just approach them directly or how, I mean, uh, in terms of getting into those out, outlets, you can obviously buy the space there with an advertorial or something like that. Uh, is pitching still working? Like what do, you, what do you feel has changed or not in this PR slash pitching still works. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we pitch people all day long as, you know, as, as an agency. Um, and you can also buy your way out of the page. You can always do a pay-per-click campaign. I think, you know, what's important when you're looking at SEO and, and, and search strategy is that 
what is like you you should probably figure out like right up front which keywords you should be trying to optimize for organically and which keywords you should be bidding on mm-hmm. and they probably shouldn't be the same keywords if you're doing a good job organically you're winning more customers anyways um a typical ad on Google, like a high-performing ad, does about 2% of all the clicks on the page, which is pretty low. And um, it's pretty expensive. You know, sometimes like you're paying for every single click. It doesn't, you're not paying for a sale. You're paying for the click. So, um, you know, it might be a dollar. It might be... I've seen it up... You know, if you're buying... So I just looked this up yesterday. Um, I was looking up best mattresses and, and, and the cost per click for best mattresses. Can you, in, in the US at least, it's almost $12 per click really? for the term best mattresses. Yeah, that's how much it's been bid up because a mattress is a high value purchase. Like you're selling like an expensive thing and those, and those, and those people are, are, those manufacturers are willing to pay a lot of money for those clients and those clicks. But that's, that's insanely expensive. I mean, that can just rip through your marketing budget in a month you know, if you're not careful. So, you know, it does make a lot of sense to optimize organically if there's an opportunity to do so. Sure thing. Uh, yeah. And also like on the paid side of things, uh, it's very important to not go for, you know, one single uh, keyword broad match and just <laughs> get everything that comes. Yeah. It's, and it's important and, and look, have. you know, I think paid campaigns um, make a lot of sense. I just have, I think they have to be executed intelligently. Exactly. Um yeah, and we we have all of our clients execute paid campaigns, so and, and they're and they're all productive. But you have to know what you're doing, and you know it's easy to throw away money there if you're not if you're not careful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And as an example here, because I'm I totally agree with you. Uh, we had a very big client in the U- in the UK, um, and they managed to so basically they had pretty good paid. Uh, marketing budgets. I think they were about uh, eight to nine k per month, which is good. Um, and then um, we started to execute on the sort of PR and SEO, as you mentioned, like offsite SEO uh, strategy. I think in the beginning of the year, uh, and we were doing both onsite and onsite and offsite SEO. And within um, six to seven months, I think we calculated what was the av- sort of the earned um, exposure that we were getting. So if we were to pay for those clicks versus we weren't. And I think we were saving them, I think about 3K per month only from the additional exposure that we managed to get within six months. And obviously that was growing from then. So uh, that was a very big save, which leads to the point that you made uh, done intelligently. Both of them can have a very good impact, but then again, you have to know which ones you stand a chance to rank for. So you don't have to pay for those within a couple of months uh, versus which ones you don't have a chance to you know, rank for, which means that you have to do paid stuff for. Yeah, totally. Totally. Super. So, um, do, do you think uh, there's anything changed in terms of the best practices? Uh, what are some things that maybe still stand today or what are some things that you see changing in the next uh, year or so? That's a great question. Um, I think that search intent will become more, um, powerful and more important to recognize i think that the the idea that google elevates a strict like keyword match is kind of antiquated um they what google's trying to do is match you know the reason why one reason why google is very dominant is because they do a really good job serving high quality results and that's mm-hmm. why people keep coming back because they, they're finding the right stuff. Um, and google has a new um, machine learning algorithm that infers search intent. And so 
if I think bucketing keywords and understanding that difference between transactional and, and informational is actually really important to search engine strategy. It's something, something that's probably under leveraged currently. I think the other piece that I keep coming back to is the idea that um, to do well in search, you have to employ a multi-channel strategy. You know, it's so much more than just your own website. Um, you have to sync your PR team and your e-commerce team and your ad buying team. All so they're so they're all working together and they have very clear marching orders for how to optimize within all these different keywords. Mm -hmm. Super. Okay, and uh, on sort of on this point, but I think it's a nice touch to it. Um, can you tell us some growth hacking secrets that you <laughs> have identified in this? Because, you know, all of us want to do stuff, but if we can do it faster, <laughs> that's even better. Yeah, I mean, I think, I, I, I think the best thing is, you know, I think, I think visibly, um, Invisibly's platform is a bit of a growth hacking, you know, tool. And it's the idea that you can, like, identify these areas of low-hanging fruit and, and, and easily fixed opportunities if you had a better sense of like how the content was playing out within the SERP mm -hmm. um, and search engine results page. Um, and so, you know, a lot of what we focus on as an agency is the organic stuff. It's the stuff that you don't have to pay for. Um, and I think, you know, at the end of the day, if you have, oh, if, you are, if you're able to win um, a recommendation in the top three organic spots for a couple key words, uh, you're going to do very, very well. Mm -hmm. And that's all, you know, you're going to, you're going to get in front of a lot of customers and it's going to be somebody else recommending your brand, which is always more authentic. And, um, that's, that's where I think there's a lot of opportunity. If you just look and you just ask. Sweet. Okay. Um, one thing that we always try to do with, uh, with each episode is uh, to try to formulate a couple of points, three, four points, uh, actionable that our listeners can take away and can look at their business and maybe try to implement, try to evaluate their practices from those perspectives. Um, and we certainly discussed way more than free today. <laughs> um, <laughs> but if you were to try to summarize now, for you guys tuning in, I hope you had a pen and paper <laughs> ready, which we forgot to tell you because um, we uh, just... Uh, got into the discussion. Uh, but, um, you know, you can replay this episode to look at the actual details. But now looking from a bird's eye view more and trying to identify the maybe three main points that uh, our listeners can take away and can just go straight away by the end of the week, try to apply them into their businesses. Um, what would these action points be from your perspective, Chris? Yeah, that's, that's great. So I think number one, um, understand the difference between, you know, link building. Think about the value of links and where you're getting your links from. Um, think about whether they're followed or no followed or from a high quality website or a blog um, or a low quality blog. Um, don't pursue link building just to have a link. A link by itself isn't important unless it's from a good website and it's followed. That's, that's tip one. Um, Tip number two is uh, realize that there's more opportunities to optimize for your brand within the search engine results page. Uh, I would say that, you know, 
it's it's a multi-channel zone and there's many potential touch points for a consumer and you have to look at it from all the different levers that you have at your disposal your pr team and your and your seo team and your and your sem team all those need to work together um, and to do that you need to identify uh, a couple things you need to figure out what's your opportunity to get within the SERP? Is it, is it within PR? Is it within e-commerce? Is it within your own website? Or is it, or is it um, going to be a paid play? Um, the only way you do that is by analyzing what's showing up in the search results. You don't need Visibly to do this, but Visibly will scale it for you and we're free. So <laughs> we, we can do it for you quickly um, or you can just do it yourself. You can go to Google, you can type in a keyword and you can like look and figure out like who's showing up there and if you actually have a chance to uh, show up on that page. Super. Thanks a lot, man. So this was very insightful. Now tell us all <laughs> uh, if we want to discuss more with you or we want to contribute in any way, uh, maybe work with you on one of the, one of the things that you do, one of the projects, um, where can people find you? Uh, is it LinkedIn? Is it uh, Visibly? Is it um, the PR agency? Yeah, all, all the above. Um, LinkedIn is a great place to find me. My name is Chris Dickey, D-I-C-K-E-Y. Um, I'm, you can find us, you can send emails to either visibly.com, V-I-S-A-B-L-Y.com, or my PR agency is called purpleorangepr.com. Uh, so just purpleorangepr.com. And uh, either of those um, forms will find their way to me. <laughs> Super. Cool. Well, this was very nice. Uh, I hope you guys tuning in, uh, you found this valuable. If you have any further questions, feel free to, to send them to us or Chris. Uh, if you send them to us, we'll make sure to direct them to Chris uh, if uh, it's something that uh, he should be uh, getting involved with in helping you. Um, as always, let us know if you'd like us to organize a further episode, maybe together and discuss in depth something that we touched on today. Uh, any suggestions? as always, very welcome. And uh, make sure you go and follow Chris and uh, Visibly because uh, as, we, as we discussed, there are a lot of things in the pipeline and I'm very keen and uh, excited to find how everything is going to be evolving further. But until next time, Chris, thanks so much. This was very nice meeting you and uh, all the inside, very, very valuable. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Thanks a lot, man. Have a nice one. Right. Take Stay care. Soon.